0: Welcome to Advantage. I'm your host, David Young, and today we're going to be talking about how important it is for educational leaders to instill a mindset in their staff that emphasizing, that emphasizes owning our path. As a leader, we need our organizations first to remove the things in our minds that act as barriers and really feel like barriers, but in reality, they're usually factors that we can overcome. Second, the staff and the organization must feel like we control our own destiny as opposed to feeling like outside influences are always negatively affecting us and keeping us from achieving the level of success that we'd like to achieve. Now, as you know, instilling a way of thinking or a mindset takes time, effort, and consistent messaging from the leader. It eventually becomes part of the culture but there are typically a lot of defining moments that are modeled by the leader along the way. So before we get started, I'd like to introduce my two guests today. I'm very excited about having them with us. These two are are both outstanding superintendents, and I'm extremely happy to have them on the podcast. The first is Stephen McCauley. Stephen is the superintendent of Paris Independent Schools in Paris, Kentucky, Paris Independent is a small, diverse, independent school district in north-central Kentucky with a ton of pride and history. Uh, I work with Stephen pretty closely, so I know that he has many gifts, but some of those are he's very motivational with his staff. Uh, He connects easily and connects well with the students and the staff, and he's fantastic at marketing and social media, although he might not admit that himself. He's very good at that. Uh, He's also a good friend. So, Stephen, uh, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks, David. Happy to be here.
0: Our other uh, guest today is David Gillum, and David is the superintendent in Madison County Schools in Richmond, Kentucky. Now, if you aren't familiar with Madison County, it's a fairly large district. It's in the southeastern part of central Kentucky. Uh, Madison County has two large high schools. It has a very, it's a very diverse school district as well, similar to Paris Independent, and it also has a lot of pride in history. Now, I know David well also, and uh, I know that he is a strategic thinker. Uh, He's someone that I call often to think through uh, a situation that I have coming up to get his uh, take on it. I also know that he's very empowering with his staff. He's also invested in the educational system outside the district. I know he stays active in his community, which by the way, includes Eastern Kentucky University right there in his backyard. And I also know that he's active in organizations like the Kentucky Association of School Superintendents and and others. I should also mention that both of these gentlemen are very active in my cooperative, uh, the Central Kentucky Educational Cooperative. They both serve on my executive board and do a great job guiding me and uh, giving me advice and helping guide the work that we that we offer at CKEC. So with all that said, David Gillum, welcome to the podcast.
2: Well, thank you, David. I appreciate that. You know, you mentioned those uh, those professional organizations and uh, and the co-ops. I just can't. uh, uh, I want to make sure I give you a shout out for what the work you do there at CKEC and. Uh, The importance of those professional organizations, you know, superintendent, you never stop learning. And uh, those organizations like that play a huge role in that. You know, the uh, uh, and just being able to get together superintendents and have some conversations from time to time. You know, I really value our uh, monthly meetings and then also those weekly uh, times where we get together just as superintendents just to talk about uh, current topics and and how we're handling those uh, independently in districts. Uh, Like like I said, you know, you never stop
0: learning and that's an important part of that. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. You're too kind. And I appreciate that very much. But it is a good leadership uh, point. Gosh, you know, I remember when I was a principal. uh, It's important when you're a principal to talk to other principals. Uh, It's it's important when you're a chief academic officer to talk to other chief academic officers. And it's important when you're a superintendent to have a network of superintendents that you can talk with, uh, bounce ideas off of, solve problems together. And uh, and to your point, that's one of the things that we try to do at the co-op is provide those opportunities. So thank you for those words. So, uh, you know, I introduced both of you guys, but I'd I'd love I'm I'm sure I didn't uh, cover all the things that it would be good for our listeners to know. So would you mind uh, each one of you to talk a little bit about your journey in education and just uh, anything to kind of set the stage for our listeners? So, Stephen, maybe we'll start with you.
1: Sure, uh, I'll start by echoing a little bit of what David said about the importance of these uh, these groups, the co-ops, and, and other groups that that allow that support. Uh, I think when I was expressed interest in being a superintendent six or seven years ago, um, it was it was really pointed out to me that it's, it's a pretty lonely job, and and I, I I come from a pretty social background. I guess I really like to engage with people and have uh, open conversations, and you can still have that, but it's definitely a a different level it's it's been uh it's been awesome to see the the quality of individuals that that i get to work with uh, across other districts and and lean on for support uh just some of the very best and uh, i'm proud to be a be a small part of it Um, as far as my path getting here uh, i I don't know if I've shared this with you guys or not. I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely on the fast track one to to be to be in the superintendent role. Um, I think it was uh, my predecessor. I began working for as the DPP and uh, director of operations, and then once I told him I was interested in being a superintendent, that Ken Vignol. His his leadership jump radar clicked on, and he's. I think he wanted me to be a superintendent more than I did at that time. So he afforded me every single opportunity that that can be afforded. I think uh, to get that experience, because I think one of the things you know we know in these roles is you really can't take a class to get you ready for all the stuff that you're you're going to face in this. So uh, I was really lucky and blessed to uh, have that opportunity to sit in on those conversations with the board attorney and uh, go through different uh, personnel issues and just look at the big picture as far as finance. So uh, really lucky to do that. But uh, like I said, as far as a fast track, uh, I think the thing that might give me a different perspective and. Definitely may show some, I don't have as much experience as some of the others in leadership. I went from a classroom teacher in the high school to less than three years later being named superintendent. So you probably won't find too many people with that type of a path to the the role.
0: Well, what would you say? Let me ask you a follow-up question. So that is really unique. Uh, And by the way, quick leadership tip for our listeners. If you don't have a mentor, see if you can find one. Uh, having somebody like that that's giving you those opportunities is extremely uh, powerful and helpful, uh, and there are people out there that are willing to help you out like that. I know each of us are, and I hear that from other superintendents as well. So, uh, So back to your point, though, so you went straight from a classroom to being the superintendent of the district uh talk a little bit about about that how was how was not that
1: straight not straight david it was three year gap in there but well, it was a fast track i guess but yeah what,
0: what were you doing in the in-between time in those yeah days? so
1: uh when when ken bicknell our predecessor was hired here as the superintendent uh he did not have dpp certification and, and i am only one other person in the district had it so uh, i applied and ended up getting that and, and at that time i was able to take on a dean of students role uh, at elementary school and get my foot in the door administratively there. So we're, we're a small district, multiple hats. Uh, so as you can see with that, that role, uh, within a year and a half, I was the director of operations and overseeing transportation, uh, HR, uh, overseeing some oversight of facilities, getting into the budget, and then uh, a year later, assistant superintendent of operations, and then a couple of months later, named superintendent uh. As as, uh, Mr. Bicknell had left. So,
0: really
1: really a fast track, but definitely a lot of experience in that short amount of time. That's what I was going to say. You had a ton of experience.
0: And that's in a lot of ways, that's the beauty of a small school district. It's also, it's kind of flips, you know, each side of the coin. You know, it's difficult to have to wear so many hats, but man, you get a lot of great experience in a short period of time, also. All right, let's switch over. David Gillum, tell us a little bit about your educational journey. All
2: right. Well, I'm in my 31st year, finishing up uh, year 31 right now. Started out as a classroom teacher back in 92, business and marketing teacher, did a little coaching, became athletic director, uh, then moved into the high school principalship, uh, spent seven years as a high school principal, then uh, moved to the district office as chief academic officer 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. uh, and five years ago, took over as uh, superintendent of uh, the school district. Been in Madison County my entire uh, career uh so that's a little unusual uh not not quite as unique as uh as Steven's fast track there but uh, uh but still uh you know like i said been in been in this district enjoyed every minute of it and uh uh just uh, um lifelong educator and uh it's been a been a good journey so
0: far so tell us about you're right there aren't that many people uh probably uh, across the state and the nation that have been that are superintendent right now that have been in that school district the whole time. What do you think are what are some of the benefits that maybe come from from the fact that you've always been there? And are there any obstacles you kind of have to overcome as a result?
2: Well, yeah, that's that's pretty easy, David. Uh, the uh, the good part is you know everybody. The bad part is everybody knows you. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's kind of the way it works. Uh, oh, but no, you do you do get. Um, you know, used to the organization, you understand it, you understand the ins and the outs. Uh, one thing, though, is, uh, and, and again, this is where those professional organizations and, and networking has helped quite a bit, is, uh, you know, you you need to see how things are done in other districts, because it's very easy to just say, well, this is the way we do it in Mass County, and just stay with that. You know, some, having some experiences outside of the, the county and coming at it with a little different lens, a little different perspective, helps quite a bit, I believe. And so, That's one of the things that uh, that I've had to be intentional about is is looking out to other districts, uh, looking at how things are done other places so we can make sure that um, that what we're doing here is the best that that we
0: can do it. Uh, So learning from others. Yeah, I was going to say that, too, you know, back to the importance of being able to network with other superintendents, particularly when you've been in that school district for your whole career is being able to hear what some other folks are doing and some ideas that you can b- borrow. And I bet it comes into play when you're hiring as well. Uh, you're probably thinking about having a good mix of hiring someone from within who knows how we do things versus when do we need to hire somebody who's coming from outside the district who can bring in some new experiences and new ideas. Always important to have a balance like that probably.
2: Absolutely, yes. And uh, you,
0: know, you you wanna hire the best. That's uh, right. the best in all situations.
2: So that's
0: right. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's go ahead then and shift into our topic today. So, you know, for listeners of the podcast, you know, uh, when it comes to leadership, we end up talking a lot about. We talk a lot about culture. We talk about communication, and we talk a lot about mindsets. And and that's mindset is a kind of a difficult thing to grasp because it's all about just how I think and how I lead and how I want others in my organization to think and lead. And so today's another one of those mindset topics about the power that you have as the leader of the organization, whether that is a principal or whether that's a superintendent or whether that any, anybody who's in a leadership role and has others that work under them, how important it is for you to instill a mindset. First of all, you had to believe it yourself. And then you have to get everybody else to embrace it as well. That we own our own path. Uh, that that our destiny, the ability for us to excel, uh, resides within us. That we we uh, we control the factors um, that are required to own our own path and to be able to achieve what it is that we want to achieve as an organization. So uh let me start just by kind of throwing out a question. When I when I kind of lead with that, when I talk about how important it is for a leader to instill that mindset in their staff, what's it make you guys think about initially? Uh Dave, do you mind start for us?
2: Not at all. i would be glad to. Uh, you know, as an organizational leader, you know, the first thing is you have to, you know, create buy-in from those people down the line. And and for a superintendent specifically, that's you know, that's our people at our director levels and our assistant superintendents and also our building principals. Um, a couple of things that, uh, that I would say to that, I always tell our, our folks that work at the district office that they work for the building principals. That if the building principals don't see value and see purpose in what they're doing, then uh, then their job's not needed. Doesn't matter how busy they are. They, those folks have to see that connection. So I think that, for one, that always keeps them, uh, keeps them a little motivated to never forget that purpose. Uh, you know, we never want uh, folks at, at that level or at the building level, a principal level either, to feel like they have arrived. OK, you know, uh, I, I mentioned earlier about always learning, always growing. You got to keep that in front of your people. And I think one of the one of the good ways to do that as a superintendent um, is to uh, to work with your people uh, that, that work under you so that they can have aspirations, so they can see themselves in that next level role you know uh steven talked about earlier you know that when he when he went to the uh the district levels uh, as a uh, dpp the first thing that his superintendent did was start talking to him about superintendency and 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 motivating him to uh to be able to, to see that it's almost like that carrot that's out in front of you you, mm-hmm. you got to keep that carrot in front of people and and uh you know we're not talking about being overly ambitious or anything like that you know to where to the point where people are cutthroat but you always have to see yourself improving and um, um that's I think that's a that's a big piece and here in Madison County uh, uh like I said Stephen mentioned that uh, uh we've had I've got uh currently uh, there's uh four four individuals sitting in uh, superintendent roles right now active superintendents that uh, that worked under me um, as as uh, as building principals and/or directors uh, in in our district, actually all all four of them were building principals, and, uh, and in addition to that, he mentioned Ken. There, Ken was a uh, you know, Ken was an assistant principal under me and a building principal when I was chief academic officer. So, uh, so trying to keep that in front of you, having those aspirations and and having people people move up that line, uh, it's important for moving an
0: organization forward. That's great. I, it's sort of a motivation by aspiration, uh, getting, you know, if I'm if I'm working and I feel like I have something to aspire to that motivates me and it also helps me to feel like I control my own destiny. And then is that as that type of feeling can spread, uh, then that can slowly kind of become the culture as a great point. Stephen, how about you? What's it make you think about?
1: Yeah, when I'm here owning the path, I think of just just extreme ownership. Um, I don't know if you've read anything by Jocko Willick. You've heard of him.
0: I don't think you know, I have.
1: He wrote a book called Extreme Ownership, but I really I actually got onto to him by uh, a book called The Way of the Warrior Kid. Uh, and it's uh, about a ten-year-old kid that's kind of getting beat up in the playground, and lunch money stolen, and his uh, his uh, uncle came in for the summer and was a Navy SEAL. And actually, I read it with my daughter together when she was probably nine, eight or nine. And then last year, I did a book study with our fifth graders over, over the book. So I had it was a voluntary book study. I had about thirty-three of those kids that read that book, and it was all about you know, you're in control of your life and, and how much, you know, you get, to, you get to make the decisions, you get to control your day and really staying focused on, um, you know, getting yourself right <laughs> before you you go reaching out. I, I think we in education uh, and my team and myself included, we're really good at identifying the problems. I mean, we're, we, can, we, can, we can show uh, what's, what's going on, what's not going exactly well and, and where maybe we need more support in, in another area. Uh, but we we it's it's hard to get home back into, you know, what can we do? What can I do? So I really try to focus one to if I'm going to call myself leading, it's still hard for me to see myself as a leader. I just think of myself as a person trying to help the the district move forward. But I guess I'm a leader, too, uh, is just to really get make sure that that's the focus. So anytime we go down, go off the rails a little bit and it's OK to vent and talk about, you know, issues of the day. But in the end, I, I probably say with my leadership team. Three times a week. So, what are what are we going to do about that? Uh, not not what are our principals going to do differently about that, or our teachers? Like, what are we going to do differently to to influence that? So, uh, that that for me is just extreme ownership. Everything that happened. This is my baby. That's what I tell I tell my friends. I say, you know, it's it's like imagine you wake up in the morning. You're like, you know, if I was running a school district, I would do it like this. And then I'm like. I am running a school district. Let's us do that. So, uh, so it's you know it's it is, it is my baby, and I put you know we all put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into to the the well being of the district, and it means a lot. You know, it probably means as much to to me, and to, I'm sure it means a ton to David. And it's it's just it's, it's almost like another kid, uh, and you just want to make sure you do everything you can to be successful.
0: Great points. Uh, first of all, shout out for doing a book study with fifth graders. I uh, love that uh, with extreme ownership. And and that's what a great time of their life for you to start to instill in them that they control uh, their own destin- destiny. They're in control of their life. Um, and then I want to jump off. You you mentioned a couple of things. I think modeling uh, for your staff is so important. And a lot of times the modeling just comes in the types of questions you're asking and the types of things that you're saying. It's It's verbal modeling. It's it's modeling. Here's what the voice in my head says. And you mentioned a couple things there. One, you mentioned uh, I ask my staff here at central office a lot. Well, what are we going to do about that? And I think about you know that works at a superintendent level, that works at a principal level, that works really at any level where you're just constantly bringing us back to the you're focusing us back on what it is that we are trying to get accomplished by saying yes, there are lots of other things going on, there are lots of factors but we control it at the end. What are we going to do about that? And the second one you said was, you know, this is my baby. And so as the leader, you know, I look at it like that. I think about it like that. And I want each one of my staff members to think that same way. You know, this is my baby. This is the thing uh, that I care about and really want to make uh, it as successful as it can be. So kind of piggybacking off that, what are some other modeling uh, kind of any any modeling tips as far as things that you know good leaders say in order to instill this whole owning our path mindset or other types of things that they can do modeling wise to uh, instill that mindset in their staff either either of you
1: I'll, I'll share. We had a, a great training a couple, last last month. Uh, Dr. Roger Cleveland came in uh, from EKU and and we were talking about uh, dealing with diversity and equity and, and, and things of that nature. But he referenced, uh, you know, Stephen Covey's uh, Seven Habits Finally Successful People and talking about that circle of influence and really, you know, being aware of when you're spending effort outside of that circle of influence versus when you're spending effort inside the circle of influence because any effort or stress or heartburn or heartache on stuff outside the circle of influence is really just a waste of time uh, when it all comes down to it and i think uh, having trainings like that was i mean that that hit home with our staff uh like nothing i've i've seen uh that next to the one CKEC did this past weekend with us, David. So I had to give a shout out.
0: Thank you very much.
1: (laughs) I think it laid the groundwork, that training in February, we had another staff day in in March that laid the groundwork for your your team to come in uh, that really just got us in a good mindset of, wow, yeah, this is a different way to look at how I'm influencing kids and how I'm teaching in the classroom. And I think it just opened the door. So I think a great training is, can go a long way, Uh, especially if, if people come to it with the right mindset and and leave with, with benefits.
0: Well, I agree. And that whole idea of not spending time and effort and stress outside your circle of influence, it's, it's just, let's control the things that we can control. And that, that happens. uh, You know, I remember when I was a principal, you know, if you're in a high poverty school, for instance, then, you know, there are all those barriers and it's easy to think about, well, we can't you know, what are we going to do? You know, we don't, you know, whatever the case may be, we don't have great parent support or students don't have the resources that they need when they leave us, um, whatever those uh, kind of cliche things are and uh, and really being able to uh, wipe the slate clean in our minds and just, you know, own the fact that, well, we, we can't really, we don't really own those. Uh, we can't control those. And so there's no reason for us to stress about that let's focus on the things that we can emphasize within our uh, circle of influence. So that's a great point. Um, David, what are your thoughts?
2: Well, you know, in education, we have to realize we're in the people business,
0: you know, and, uh,
2: and the, we try to apply lots of business models to education. You know, there's, you know, we, we, we roll out all these uh, models of efficiency and, and we have high stakes accountability and we try to give everybody a score. But at the end of the day, our product is people, And when you realize that, uh, you know, that's why we're, that's why everybody is going to get different levels of success or, or different measures of success. And, uh, uh, as well central to that is, as we go about conducting our business day to day, uh, that people aspect is, is so critical, uh, you know, how we treat people, how we act with people, how we interact with people. Um, that's, uh, so anything that we can do as or, as organizational leaders and within that organization to develop those people's skills and uh, yeah you, we've all seen it uh, whether it's uh, whether it's coaches whether it's uh, um, whether it's uh, building principles whether it's the person answering the phone in the front office how you deal with people and how you talk to people and how you uh, interact with those people is critical and um, there's some folks that can have all kinds of knowledge and have all kinds of skills and abilities. You know, they may be able to really, uh, really get in and and, uh, and work with curriculum, for example. But if they can't work with the people, all mm-hmm. of that knowledge is is uh, you know it's worthless, really, um, unless you can channel it in some way that uh, that somebody who is able to work with people can kind of take that information and, and get it out. Uh, but that's you know that's what's important in uh, in education, and it's not unique to education. You know, it, rare is the industry that you're not working with people. You know, there's there's a few out there where you're working with widgets or you're working with uh, uh, data. But most of it, uh, most of our business day in, day out, they're working with, uh, they're working with people. And so we have to to do some things to support that. And and when we look at leadership and look at people who move up that leadership ladder, uh, it's those that, that are able to deal with people are the ones that, that gravitate to the top. So anything we can do to support that down the line, um, one of the things we do in Maskean, we do cognitive coaching. We put out take all of our folks through that. That's been a very beneficial training. I feel. Um, I think it you know it gives you some skills, but at the same time, it the the most important thing I think uh, the most valuable piece of that is it causes our leaders to be reflective of how they act and the things that they say. Uh, so you know you, you used the word modeling earlier, and uh, and I think. Uh, that was how your question initially kind of started out with modeling. You know, we always have to be mindful of that as superintendents. And, and we're always we're constantly modeling and coaching those people around us, whether we realize it or not, whether we know it or not. Uh, they're watching what we say. They're watching what they do. And uh, and they're trying to pick up. They're picking up on how we act, whether that's from a positive perspective. You know, they see what we do and they see it is successful and they try to model it or They see it as ineffective and they, and they try to do the opposite of that. So, uh, so the modeling piece, the people piece, it's, it's always important. Yes.
0: Yeah. I, I think about, you know, the, uh, what a great point that we're, our product is people. And, uh, that's part of what makes education so important. It's really, uh, you know, it's a, it's a profession that should be held in very high esteem because it's, uh, the fact that we're impacting people's lives is important, but also because it's people, that's what kind of makes it an art. It's not, it's not just a science. Like it's not just a recipe that we follow. It's a very individualized uh, thing. And so uh, to your point, being reflective on how we act and how we treat people, uh, what we say, all those are, all those are so important for the teacher in the classroom with students or for the, the administrator uh, working with staff,
1: David, I'll, I'd like to jump in on a little bit about what David said uh, about the relationship uh, aspect. I mean, I think when you talk about people, it comes down to relationships, and if you want to influence change, really, it's hard to do that without having some type of relationship with the people there. And and it, and it takes it takes work, it takes time, um, and I, I think that's one of our biggest hurdles coming out of the pandemic, is the fact that, you know we spent so much time in our meetings, uh, just, you know, grinding out logistics of what's going to happen with this and what's going to happen with that. Uh, a lot of stuff was by zoom or virtual. And you just, you know, I think we've forgotten some of those relational things that used to maybe be commonplace that, you know, we just don't do anymore. And I've even found that some of our, Meetings now just become just a a grind through the the next item to try to get in, to get everybody back out. And if you don't have that relational aspect, I think it's, it's hard to really influence change uh, to the level you really, really want to get it to. So I think David's right. Just the people. It's a people business. Well, and not only that,
0: just think about that web of relationships that we're talking about. We're talking about web, a web from administrators to other administrators administrators to teachers, teachers to teachers, teachers with students, students with students, classified employees being connected in all those different ways. There are a lot of relationships there that are important in order for us to all support each other and be kind of rowing the boat in the same direction. Agree? Yes. And those, you know, those
2: relationships, uh, you know, are important and the people are important. And uh, you know we have to to make sure that our people realize just how important they are. You know, as we look at at success in schools, one of the things that we know of is that uh, you know one of the one of the biggest impacts on on students uh, on academic achievement is teacher efficacy. Sure. And the same way we're talking about teacher efficacy, uh, you know, um, uh, administrator efficacy is just as important. We have to know, we have to believe that when we come to work every day, that. The more, uh, the more effective we do our jobs, that it will have an impact on on student learning and student outcomes and student achievement. Uh, it's going to have an impact on the lives of kids and lives of our community. And uh, the degree to which we believe that uh, determines our uh, our true effectiveness. You know, it's real easy. You you mentioned earlier there. You know, all of the things we see out here. You know, the the um, uh, students coming to us with extreme needs. Uh, you know, we, we're talking about behavior uh, issues being uh, uh, being greater than we've ever seen. We talk about the impacts of the pandemic. We talk about students being behind. We talk about uh, extreme uh, academic gaps. We talk about societal problems and lack of funding and all of those things. It's easy for us to get distracted, throw our hands up, uh, and, and get discouraged on that. And yeah. so um, it's an even bigger challenge for us as leaders to, uh, you know, to make sure that, that we're the ones, you know, being, uh, you know, building those relationships and valuing people and being really the, one of the biggest cheerleaders in the organization. And that's why those professional organizations are so important to us. Uh, you know, it's, it's tough for us to vent in front of our people. You know, we need to get together superintendents and vent a little bit and then, uh, you know, pat each other on the back and, and, uh, uh, get that pick-me-up and then go back and, and lead that charge for our districts because it is, you know, it's critical that people see the importance and, uh, and the difference that they make because if they don't believe they're making a difference, they're not going to make a difference. Yeah,
0: I totally agree. All right, so I want to throw out a scenario. This is a, This is a little bit of a pitfall that I see, that I've seen – uh, typically, young principals. This this one isn't so much for district uh, leaders. It really is for our principals out there, and it and it's something that makes uh, sense on the surface, but it all it almost always ends badly. And so I can't we can't do this podcast without me throwing this out there, and then I want to kind of get your all's thoughts on it. So one thing, one mistake that I see uh, inexperienced or young principals make. You know, a principal uh, is inside a school and it kind of becomes, you know, uh, our little world. You know, it's, you know, we're part of a district, but we're coming to work with this group of students, this group of adults, you know, every day. And and again, we do want to control our destiny. But one of the things that I see, uh, I have seen principals do is they try to instill this um, circle the wagons. It's us against the world. Mentality, and when they do that, sometimes uh, it's us against the world. Well, who does that mean that we're fighting against? Well, we're fighting against society. We're fighting. Sometimes we're fighting against central office. Uh, we don't feel like central office is support. Like like we can take care of ourselves here, uh, and and they do that because they feel like it's motivational that it's you know we we support each other and we're going to make this thing happen. Uh, But particularly in that last situation, when it's us against the world and the world includes central office, uh, the truth is uh, over time, like you, you need central office, like central office, the district staff and the school staff work hand in hand. And uh, that actually ends up instilling in the staff. We don't control our destiny because central office controls us. They may do things to us. Maybe those are positive. Maybe those are negative. But at the end of the day, uh, we uh, we don't fully control uh, our own destiny. So just want to bring that up today. I don't know if that's something that you all have seen happen before. or are there any other kind of common uh, mistakes? Uh, you know, we have uh, principals who listen to the podcast. So we want to throw that out so that they know maybe not to go down that road. Any any feedback on that scenario or any similar scenarios you guys can think of?
2: You know, as you talk about fighting there, I, we always joke. I use the uh, the phrase we're we go to battle every day, slaying the twin twin dragons of ignorance and apathy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, but but we're not in that battle alone. Uh, you know, th- I think that's uh, the thing that you you hit on there that makes that um, a bad piece is when you when you feel like you're alone uh, or your school is the only ones and and you're you're having to fight. Not only those things, but all of the, as we said, societal problems, and then you're having to work against, uh, or working against you in that effort is, uh, you know, KDE or or uh, the district level or or uh, the state legislature or or uh, Department of Education or whatever. Uh, we have to realize we're all on the on the same team and we are working together. And right. and uh, part of that, you know, I mentioned earlier, I, I try to work that at our district level with our district level people uh realizing that you know they work for our principals then that, uh that's the front line that's where the rubber meets the road so to speak and uh, uh everything we have we do at the district level needs to support that and and if we build that uh piece then our principals don't feel that isolation um yeah I, I do put that off on the uh the district but if a school feels like they're having to act like that then there's a there's an issue with with uh how things are going at the district level so need to you need to check that. But uh but certainly we have to work together. You know, we, we mentioned that efficacy part, you know, that collective efficacy is, is huge. You know, that together we're we're stronger. And and uh you know one of the one of the pieces that we look at with professional learning is uh you know we have prerequisites for professional learning and the the first one of those is that we're all responsible for all kids. And you have to come to the table ready for that and realizing that and i think that's a that's a professional responsibility we have and uh is that we're responsible for, for all kids not just kids in your building but for kids down the street because the the kids at school next door may be your kids next year or in a month from now when they move uh when you know when their parents move into your district um and so anything you can do to, to help that school down the road when those kids transfer to you will help you out uh so um so that's just uh yeah, that's just a few thoughts on
0: on where you are. We have to work together. Yeah, I love that. You know, there's there's a dichotomy between competing and collaborating. And uh, you know, in, in business and in education, to some extent we're all competing a little bit, but it needs to be um I've been, I've actually been thinking about this a lot just this past weekend. How can we find that balance between now maybe we're being a little bit competitive, but we're also trying to help each other? Because really, at the end of the day, uh, and I think we do that pretty well uh, in our region, by the way. Uh, but I, I think that's just such an important balance there to find. Steve, anything you want to add?
1: yeah I think it still like David said earlier, it's a people we're in people business even at the leadership level and and getting the getting all our people on the same team, understanding that we can have a really hard conversation. we can disagree vehemently about a topic, but uh, we need to leave that meeting with a, a unified vision. You know we are absolutely on the same team, and uh, it just takes building relationship, building trust uh, and and continuing to to build that as you as you move forward,
0: yeah. I relationships and all of us where it takes all of us. Right. And, and I'll put a little caveat on my, uh, I'll put a little uh, disclaimer on my scenario. You know, we're all human. There are times that something comes down from above that you aren't crazy about. That's, you know, that's always going to happen. And uh, but what's important is as the leader that, that you kind of sort that out and work through that, but don't pass that along to those who are working under you that I'm frustrated because this thing is happening and I don't like it. Uh, there's a way to kind of navigate those waters so that we all are still in it together and there's not a divide uh, between the school and the district or whatever whatever the two entities are. Guys, as we wrap up, anything that we haven't covered or any uh, any final tips that you want to throw out there for our leaders who are listening to the podcast?
2: Well, one of the things that, uh, you know, as we as we talk about all of these um, these things, David, you know, the uh, strategic vision, I would I would throw that out as, as just a piece. You know, lots of every, everyone has a vision for the organization. Everyone, um, you know, any leader knows where they want their organization to be or has a good idea. They can picture it. But what separates, I think, um, in leadership, the um the, uh, the those who are successful from those who are not is uh, is able to develop that strategic vision mm-hmm. uh being able to to uh, assist where you currently are and compare that to where you want to be and then be able to break it down into uh you know steps or or progress a series of progressions in order to get uh from where you are to where you want to be uh that's what really uh you know separates those uh, those strong leaders from those who are are not so successful is that that strategic vision piece, and and then those who are really successful are those people who are able to get in there and uh, once they've identified those steps and be able to implement those uh, those pieces and really push people to to move from one phase to the next. Um, I think that's the that's a that's a big piece to uh, you know, to moving an organization forward and really uh, you know, as you, you said, um, you know, early on kind of, you know, uh, owning your path.
0: Mm-hmm. Great point. And, and I think as a leader, you want to, if you're particularly good at one of those things, if you're a visionary who can easily see the end of the road, but maybe you're not as good as put, at putting in place the steps, surround yourself with people who can do that. And if you're a very step-by-step, I can see what I need to do. I'll do the next obvious thing, but maybe you can't see out way on down the road, then, Surround yourself with some visionary uh, people who can kind of balance you out uh, in that regard. Stephen, anything you want to add to wrap us up?
1: Um, I would say add, adding in just finding those small wins and finding ways to celebrate it. Uh, I think a lot of times we get we 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 think we have an idea of what the big picture needs to be and the direction it needs to go, but you're you're not really sure where to, how to get it going or, or how to get started. And I think a lot of leaders, especially new to to leadership, would say. Where do I start? What what can I do to get some momentum going here? And I, and I think if you can craft out just carve out the smallest of small wins, uh, celebrate them tremendously, and then just start building. I think that's uh, that's just a uh, can can work wonders. You can you can get a lot of momentum by just a, a few small wins stacked on top of each other.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. That's that's how you create momentum. Uh, just do the first thing, and then when it goes well, let's celebrate it. And that motivates us to to start to work on the second thing. Gentlemen, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for joining today. And uh, for our listeners, that is going to wrap us up on this episode of Advantage. I hope everyone has a great week. And we'll see you with the next episode next week. Take care.